This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to yet another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 233, and tonight is day seven of the countdown to Halloween Potathon. I'm doing 21 shows and I'm putting them out in 21 days, but I'm not doing it for fun. No, I'm doing it to raise funds for New Alternatives, which is an organization in New York City which helps homeless LGBT teens. And tonight I have two very special guests with me. I've got filmmaker Brian Norton returning to the show after Crowhaven Farm and happy birthday to me. And a brand new guest, Crazy redheaded comedian Aaron McGuire, and you are going to love them both. And we are talking about a movie from 1982 called Don't Go to Sleep, starring Valerie Harper and Dennis Hopper and Ruth Gordon. And it's one of my favorite types of movies, the ones I cut my Scream Queen's teeth on. It's a made for TV horror movie. No, it's not from the 70s, it's one of the last gasps of this kind of thing from the 80s, and oh boy, is it a doozy. Love it, or laugh at it, you're going to never forget Don't Go to Sleep. Which, by the way, if you want to play along at home, this movie is available on YouTube. So go check it out before you listen to the episode if you feel like it. That would be cool. But we've got some business to take care of first, because like I said, this isn't for fun. This is for, this is helping homeless kids get off the streets. Not just tonight, but for good. LGBT teens are making up an enormous part of the homeless population right now. And this it's skewered so rationally against them that it's an epidemic that not many people are addressing. And that is why I'm doing this. Instead of giving you a whole bunch of statistics, why don't I let them tell their story? My name is Kellen. I'm 19. I like reading. I like going to like art museums in the city and painting or drawing. I had moved out of my parents' house because I was seeing a doctor who confided in him and then he told my parents on their permission and things were just really tense and there was a lot of yelling. It was just it felt like the right time to, to leave. It was hard being out of my parents' house because I've lived with them my entire life and that was the first time that was that I was like on my own. It was also like difficult hopping around and sleeping on people's couches, not having a stable place to be in. So I came here through the suggestion of a friend. We primarily focus on providing housing to, to young people who have been kicked out of their homes because of, of homophobia and transphobia. 
uh, but we have a really broad array of services to really help young people be healed. I mean, to help them be safe, to help them get off the streets, but also to help heal them from the harms of, of homelessness and rejection. The genesis of the Ali Fernay Center is the, the death of Ali Fernay, which happened 20 years ago. Ali was a, a gender non-conforming homeless youth who, at the age of 22, was murdered back in 1997. We're living in a time where more and more people feel free and able to express themselves as being LGBT. Unfortunately, as much as the acceptance is growing, there are still many people in every society who tend to be very hostile to LGBT people. When your parents are, are like that, it is very unsafe to come out of the closet. When you're a teenager, when you're still reliant on your parents for economic support. So what we see happening all over the United States and all over the world is that more and more young people are coming out of the closet and unfortunately, huge numbers of them are being rejected by their families and forced into homelessness. And I'm definitely a lot happier now than I was a year ago. I'm in a much better place. Hopefully in the future, I'll have either be in college or graduated already. My number one career goal is to be a curator at a museum in the city. So you have to go to college for that. My relationship with my family now, it gets like worse and better. My mom right now is pretty good. Like we text every day. I'm not talking to my dad currently because things are kind of difficult with him. I don't feel like comfortable going back to their home at this point. I want them to know that I'm okay, like as okay as I can be, and that I'm doing, I'm doing well and this is not like a phase and I'm happiest in this form than I was before. Okay, I couldn't have put it any better than that. So what I need you to do is to go to the very long URL, which you have to put the whole thing in or it doesn't work. So I have to say the whole thing every time. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives NYC dot org slash SQ and donate. I'm giving you 21 shows in 21 days, counting down the days to Halloween. I would love it if you could give a minimum of $21. That's a dollar a show. And that's not going to me. That's going to kids like Kellen. And making their lives as good as it can be. Right now. Okay, I've got some people to thank for their donations. First of all, we got Christy Valenti. Thank you so much for donating. It means a lot to me. You don't know how much it means to me, Christy. Thank you so much. Very generous of you. And also to Jay the Haunt Cub, Jay Yaspa the Haunt Cub, who also generously donated. And we just breached the $500 mark. So thank you, Jay. You put us over a big hurdle here. Now, my goal is $2,500. We've got two weeks. That's not exactly true. Because, like last year, I'm keeping the donation page open till the middle of November. I believe it's the 19th or the 20th. I have to look it up. I'm sorry. I'm a little fuzzy right now. And I'm not just talking about the beard on my face. 
Uh, my brain's a little fuzzy. This has been a lot of work, and it continues to be a lot of work, and it's going to continue to continue to be a lot of work. And I'm 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 wearing a little thin. So bear bear with my lack of enthusiasm right now. Don't take that as lack of enthusiasm for the cause. It's just I don't have a lot left to give at the moment. Fortunately, the next few days are going to be a bit easier on this end, but that's not the point. It's not going to be easier for the kids at New Alternatives. Okay. So if you are listening to this down the road, because I know it's podcasting. People aren't listening immediately as things come out. Some of you are, but many of you will be catching up later on. Maybe you don't even know this event is going on, even though I've got as many people out there sharing what's happening here as possible. Maybe you don't know. So if it is, you know, November 15th or whatever it is, please, you can still head on over to http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq and donate. And you know what? Even after it's over, there's still ways to donate. Just let them know where you got, where, where you heard about it, and 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 whatever. It'll be added to the total, and that will be cool. To be fair, the promo that I played you is actually put out by the Alley Forney Center, which I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, which is one of the organizations that works with conjunction with new alternatives but this was also put out by the united nations so they're getting a lot of government support they get a lot more funding than new alternatives does and it's the little guys where you can actually get the most work done i mean i don't know if you've ever tried to navigate any of the government help systems it's like trying to get on welfare or on um disability or to get like Hasa housing or things like that it's a maze and it's designed to fuck you up and keep you out of the program and if you don't have somebody there to help you to stand up and say oh no like a caseworker someone to say hey no 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 you can't do that that's not the way this is supposed to go then you're going to be lost you need help and these kids need help by supporting new alternatives, you're all supporting the new Alley Forney Center and these kids who need your help more than you could possibly know. 40% of the homeless teen population is LGBT. That's almost half. You can help. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise.newalternatives nyc.org slash sq $21 $21 I'm going to the movies tomorrow night my ticket is $25 that's what it costs in Manhattan right now to see a movie so I'm not even asking for that much okay make it hurt like Jay and Christy just a little bit just a little bit of discomfort to remind you how good you have it okay All right, that's going to be the end of my lecture for now because it is time to bring on Aaron and Brian and we are going to talk about Don't Go to Sleep. And since there's no trailer for Don't Go to Sleep because it's a made-for-TV movie, I am giving you a taste of the live comedy of Ms. Aaron McGuire. So it's time to put away your boohoo handkerchiefs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Scream Queen stage, 
Miss Erin McGuire. How we doing, Monday? It's a sexy crowd. Makes me glad I wore a bra. This is as good as it gets. Do you know that there's a holiday called National No Bra Day? When you're in A cup, every day is National No Bra Day. It's sad when you're my age and the company that makes your bras is called Sweet Nothings. I wore a strapless bra once. I exhaled and it became a belt. with the flat white. I'm like, that's my nickname. I'm the flat white. I actually just had my very first mammogram the other day. And they went to go take the scan and she said, your breast tissue is very dense. I said, that's because it's bone. Took her six tries to plant me in. I said, give up, just use the Xerox machine. Don't steal my bits, girl. Just scan my bits. That's all. It's fine. My husband says you don't need anything more than a handful, and he's a midget, so we're fine. My husband is actually in The Lion King on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, you paid my mortgage. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So we're an entertainment industry couple, but in two really different mediums, you know? And I always want to know what people think when they overhear us talking about our work day on the train. And I'm like, how was your day? Uh, why not drink it with Mufasa? <laughs> what about you? Uh, it was me and five guys in a basement and I got 10 bucks for 20 minutes. <laughs> So joining me on this voyage back in time, back to the made-for-TV horror movie. Well, not this time from the 70s. This time we're going to the 80s. Yeah, but I've got two very special guests with me. One is a two-time veteran of the show, and the other one is brand new. One is a fabulous out gay filmmaker who makes movies so scary that you will poop your pants. And she is a super talented comedian whose sets are so funny that you'll pee your pants. So between the two of them, you're all going to need to pants. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Brian Norton and Aaron McGuire. Thank you, for, thank you for outing me. <laughs> wow, this that's the best way to do it as a podcast. Allegedly. And allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> well, that, the first time you were on, we, snack, we had to smack so many dicks out of your mouth, and that was your own that's voice. Right, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is really tough in a podcast, but, yeah. you know, I also yeah. want to thank you for, for bringing in uh, body specimens. We need, semen is the only thing that was missing from that intro. True, you're right, you're right. Well, you know, they might provide that on their own. I'm not going to tell them what to do with we'll their own bodies. But if home. they have an involuntary reaction, hey, what are we going to do? Okay. So, <laughs> Very happy to be here. So yeah. it just turns out that many, many years ago, and I've talked about these days on the show and Naked Thursday and all that stuff, I worked with Aaron's husband, Jim Ferris, currently appearing on Broadway in The Lion King. And for years now, he's keep, 
keeps saying to me, oh my God, I have to hook you up with this crazy redhead wife of mine. She's an absolute horror fiend and she would love you. Well, it finally happened. I went to go see her set and absolutely loved it. And I said, I got to get this lady on the show. Well, see, first of all, you misheard him. When he went to go say it, he just caught himself before, before he hit the bottom, which was he went to go say she's an absolute whore. And then he just pivoted at the last minute and was like, horror fiend. So, you know, Aaron, I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah, Aaron, I actually just edited that out. You know, I was trying, I was trying to make it, I was trying to make a better impression and okay. So, you know, you added yourself. Good for you. Rock on. You know, it's 2018. If you want to be a whore, be a whore. I support you. This is a very out and proud podcast. And, and I'm very I, happy to be part of it. And also I emulate you. I've been hoeing for years, baby. I have been hoeing. Well, this take a number. <laughs> the line forms to the lift. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I am a stand-up comic in New York City. I have been a massive horror movie enthusiast for uh, some years now. And I actually have a horror movie bridge club where when new horror movies come out. Yes, we I gather groups of friends and we have to see the horror movie on the opening weekend. And it has to be in Midtown Manhattan, which is, I feel like, the best way to see movies. Uh-huh. Horror movies in Midtown opening weekend where everybody's completely crunk. It's, it's just funny <laughs> as hell. It's so true. My Bridge Club is meeting this, this week. I know it's, this podcast is coming out later, but we're meeting to go see The Nun, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, so, as I said to you on Facebook, I said, after 17 years of Catholic school, I saw the trail. I'm like, nah. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, I'm in. I am in. Okay. Nothing scares people more than religion. I was just a little confused when you said a horror movie bridge couple. I'm like, so what? Do you, when they lose a hand, do you like kill them? Yeah, it's like my modern day version of Mahjong. Well, I was oh. going to sell my only joke I had ready to go because mine's a, I have a horror movie Mahjong group. Ah! Do you really? I'll fix it in post, Brian. I know. Thank you. Thank you. I tumble we talk. <laughs> no, I'll fix it. But no, I'll fix yeah, it in post. Sure. Let us all laugh now. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's restart. Ah, Mahjong. That was good. Ah. I just how it's going to be. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm patronizing Brian. Let's actually turn some attention to you. Brian, welcome back to the show. You survived not only a trip to Crowhaven Farm, but also Melissa Sue Anderson's birthday party with me. That's right. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, good time. So, what's going on with you, man? Are you working on anything cool? Or no, well, you're, besides hiking up a lung, Brian's sick. Oh yeah, just so you know, you might you might hear like a what sounds like a Ruth Roman imitation, and it's just me with a summer cold. So I'll try to mute the mic when that happens. So, but since I've seen you, see, uh, since I've seen you last, I signed my first book contract, and I'm I'm writing a book on the making of the first three Amityville horror movies, which is interesting. <gasps> I told the publisher, like, who would buy this other than me? And uh, me. Oh, thank you. you. Just yeah. answer that question. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and and tracking down everyone involved in these movies, I I realized these are old movies now. <laughs> you know, so yeah, all, all the directors are dead. But uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. If, if you're uh, if you're an Amityville fan, and you know, a lot of my friends were in Amityville too, and. Oh, my God, the stuff going on on that set, it's like a regular Peyton place, so I can't wait to share it with you. Oh, oh, my God, really? I want to yeah. this. I will, really? I will be first in line to buy this. Thank yeah. you so much, because, you know, I read my contract. Guess what I get? I get two free copies. What? Okay, wow. <laughs> For, of the book. Congratulations. I know. I hit the lotto on that one. Wow. But, hey. 
Well, you have to, for me, I'd be like, well, I have to find another friend to give it to. <laughs> well, all I do is sit and talk about Amityville Horror to my dog anyway, so might as well get something. Oh, uh, how is Rusty? Rusty is, is, is fine, getting a little old, but he's, 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 mm-hmm. he's okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rusty's an Instagram sensation. Uh, yes, Amity. yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. And I got another I will little follow movie him. coming up with uh, Crypt TV, that Eli Roth company. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Bravo. We love to hear all that story. So whenever we do one of these segments on the show where we're talking about made for TV horror movie, I have to uh, horror movies. I have to take a moment and kind of explain for you Mm. young kids out there that back in the day when there was only like three channels, five channels, whatever, when one of these things came on, it was a fucking event and shit stopped. Everybody watched it. Yes. And the scripts that you would think, oh, it's a made-for-TV movie. How bad can it be? Yeah, they might be kind of tame, but the subject matter was always bananas, and it would run through at family time, and it would be, you know, Satan worship and baby raping and, you know, eating dogs and stuff. And then you would just watch it with the family. It would be on after Wonderful World of Disney or whatever, just segue right into that. And it was a crazy, crazy thing. So whenever one of these came out, it was massive. If you didn't watch it, you were not the cool kid on the schoolyard the next day. In fact, you were the absolute pariah because you were the one asshole who couldn't talk about it. <laughs> and then when it finally aired two again two years later you're like well i already heard everything on the damn playground and it was just not fun it was not fun so while they might seem tame by modern standards they have a special place in my heart and they were my the building blocks that made me the fabulous scream queen that sits before you in front of this microphone today thank you that was my ted talk thank you <laughs> Your formative I'll, years sound incredible. Fiction mm. <laughs> uh, Post is going to be the title of this the, podcast. The, yes. Before it was, I'm going to smack that dick right out of your mouth. Now it's... <laughs> but uh, this is <laughs> an appreciation of them now. There's a couple of wonderful books on TV terrors. and uh-huh. uh, are, you, are you friends with Amanda Reyes? Who, I am. I am. Yeah. Thanks to you. You pointed me in her direction of her fabulous book, Are, um, are You in the House Alone? Yes, and that bitch did not ask me to contribute, and I'm really upset with her, but I love the book so much. So. Yep. There's some great podcasts on it. Anthony Rotolo does TV Terrors, yep. or TV Terrorland. I always forget which one it is. Fabulous show, great stuff. And I love him, too, because he'll take those special episodes of, like, Little House in the Prairie, where the Headless yep. Horseman showed up. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. There's what a whole episode. I need to start out. reading what some of these. Yeah, well, there's a great book on what Patrick just said coming out soon called A Very Special Episode. So, Yes, yes. I've seen, I've seen uh, some posts about that, that that's in the works. Good times. Yes, and so speaking of very special episodes, the movie that we're talking about is called Don't Go to Sleep, and it's from 1982. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, well... It's a very special episode of Valerie's family is what, what it is. It's a really, really special one. It's the one where they all die. <laughs> like, there's really so much to unpack. We should have been gathering boxes from Home Depot to, to deal with this movie. I, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I, you I, know what? I actually took notes while I was watching it. Uh-huh. I normally take notes as well. It's like a half a page. I took four pages of notes, which is totally weird for me. But... <laughs> since, since I am since I am the skilled host and have been doing this for a long time, I know the perfect way <laughs> to start unpacking these Let boxes. It and it's the game that I do with all of my guests. And Aaron, since you're new, you're gonna be playing. Oh, I'm in. Uh huh. Aaron McGuire, please. Very excited. Please give me your best 
30-second elevator speech plot summary of Don't Go to Sleep. 30 seconds, starting now. An unsympathetic father who drinks too much, um, abnormally long shots of an iguana, a bed is on fire, nobody cares about a child almost dying. Uh, there's a frisbee sequence that goes on longer than most of the Godfather sequences combined. Uh, a funeral that made me laugh out loud. Um, the best line, I used to go on the loop when I was a kid. Time is up. Oh, God. I don't, there was so much more. And all I, I kind have of like the last words are Aaron Spelling. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Freeze frame Aaron, Aaron Spelling. When I die horribly, I would like Aaron Spelling's name to just appear over my face as I go. <laughs> <laughs> I want everything okay. to go to black and say executive producer Aaron Spelling. That was very, very interesting. That was, that was, the, that was the most, one of the more unique approaches to this game that I've ever had because instead of like giving a plot summary it was like this pastiche of visual images <laughs> that's all I can do like because to, to actually try to break it down and give you logistics of this movie doesn't make a difference it doesn't make a difference I don't even know what happened to me at the end of it okay I don't know what kind of dirty I went on I just know that these are my snapshots of my experience of don't go to sleep that's exactly what it was, it was a slideshow you didn't give me a summary you gave me a slideshow that was great so Brian, well, yes. it's either going to be that or me just saying Valerie Harper's paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't want to burn twenty-five seconds of airtime. Okay, <laughs> okay, Brian, you want to give it a shot? Uh, I, I, I'd rather say this instead of rehashing the, the plot. If you don't well, mind, no, no, but... no, 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 okay, yeah, mm -hmm. say, say what you want to say. You know, you know what I mean. It's like you're, 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 you're pitching this script. Okay. Yeah. Um, pitch, this, pitch me the script. <laughs> well, it's you know, as a, a, a film historian, I or, and an indoor kid, I'm that person that you can go to before the internet, especially like Brian. I don't remember the name of the movie, and but there's something that I saw, and I I need to I need to find out what movie it was, and I and I usually say just tell me one thing about it, and I'm always correct, and nine times out of ten, it turns out to be don't go to sleep. They either say flying iguana or pizza cutter. I'm like, don't go to sleep. <laughs> oh my God. For, for, for people our age, Patrick, those two images have, it's, they don't remember the, because let's face it, the title means nothing. No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. They don't remember the plot. They don't remember Valerie Harper. They don't, they don't, they don't say Rhoda. They say pizza cutter. Flying iguana. It's the movie that will make you believe that an iguana can fly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say Valerie Harper and her family move into her new house and they find themselves plagued with, oh, particularly their young daughter, plagued with supernatural sort of events. And it turns out that there might be a really angry ghost that's looking to pick all of them off. Or is there? That is my plot summary. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Eight years of this bullshit. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good summary. But that's, yeah, you, it leaves you going, is this is this a ghost? Is this like, I, I don't know. There was, there was, there were unanswered questions uh -huh. at the end yeah. of the uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I was going to ask you uh, your take on that, but when we get to the we'll end, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, let's just talk about the cast for a little bit. Like, some of the, like, first of all, it stars, as we've already said several times, the fabulous Miss Valerie Harper. Yay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody Who know how she could not be lower? 
<laughs> oh, you haven't seen Night Terror. Valerie did a bunch of TV horror movies in between, or during Rhoda even. So, but she's alive and well. She's doing good. I know she was. She uh, there was that brain cancer that was very very serious for a while, and then she was doing. I saw her on Broadway in that show where she was playing Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> Looped. Looped. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was fabulous. The show was like, eh, but she was great. Joe Zazzo yeah. mentioned that to her when he met her. And she was oh, my God, it bombed. It bombed hard. It bombed, it bombed hard, but it taught me two important things. What's that? Touching a woman's purse is like touching her vagina. And also, people who get lost in Manhattan do not deserve to be found. Uh-oh. <laughs> the that was the two quotes I, looked, I took out of that. It's a grid. There's numbers. How are you lost? Except there are certain parts where it turns into the Bermuda Triangle, like around, you know, Christopher Street, like that area. Um, all of a sudden, it's like yep. the, it doesn't make sense anymore. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about. Back to the cast, we got Dennis Weaver, who was McClude. Yes. An early crush of mine. I think it was in the mustache and the hat. It was like when I was in my early years and I had the Sam Elliott fixation that I didn't understand. Oh, we, now, we my are. husband had to explain to me who he was. Mm -hmm. Because I kept calling him the poor man's Alan Alda. Wow. Wow. Right? Wow. And I didn't know who he was. I guess he had a series. This many, man. Many, many series. Was, many, 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 many. He worked all the time. That's insane to me. I was like, you, at one point I literally yelled, pick up your cues. He would he have was, been a draw for this. I mean, he would have been an audience draw. Yeah. You're yeah. kidding me. Well, you know, these TV movies, they always just pack people who were usually on the network anyway. You know, they pull them in for the day off, you know, when they had their week off and they just kind of throw them into scenes and stuff. So normally they were just there to fulfill a contract. I'm assuming they'd assume a contract, sign a contract and be like, oh, by the way, we're going to need to do TV movies. Well, I don't know how it worked. Right, that's right. My, that's they how it worked. contract players in the 80s? Well, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Aaron Spelling has weird powers. He'd be like, he you're going to sure do does. it. You're going to do this movie. I'm going to make it. That's not how he talks, but in my mind, this is how he's talking in the situation. You're going to do this movie. You're gonna ma I'm going to make a date my daughter, Tori, when she grows up. Right. I was about to say, his first superpower is that he made his daughter a star. Oh, yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lord. Well, star. <laughs> yeah, so, so I had to I say. that word gently. <laughs> yeah, and of course, and of course, of course, Ruth Gordon as grandma. Yeah. Academy I've Award never winner. wanted to play a role so bad as I did when watching Ruth Gordon. <laughs> I loved that the first time you meet her, okay, this family's moving into a house, and I have to say they're fucked before they even set foot in that place based on the, the house number. Yeah, 666. That, that, that's where the movie really oh drops God, the bomb. 13666. I know. That wasn't even funny. That belonged Thir in another movie. 1366 Decapitation Highway. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well as well. Oh, my God. It's right off of I'm gonna die lane. Yeah. And my daughter knows how to use a pizza cutter way. And it's yeah. got a death curse boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> doomed, you're all oh doomed Avenue. Yeah. So they're moving to this new house and it turns out that there has been a tragedy in this family and we only learn about it in dribs and drabs. And so we don't really know. But what we do know is that everybody's really upset that they're moving to this new house and grandma has to move in with them. Apparently, Valerie Harper is the only one who likes grandma. And even that, it's like, but I love that the first time you really get a good shot of Ruth Gordon, like she's bringing all the furniture. But when she greets them on the porch, she's got this like three foot long dragon lady cigarette hanging out of her lip that is just epic. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to and call them. And it's not lit. We used to nope. call them bitch. To, oh, she's not allowed to she smoke. She doesn't anymore. smoke. She gave it up two years ago. Right. He doesn't so, better. He doesn't. Let it dangle. <laughs> hey, you can't dangle in a TV movie, man. Kids are watching. We can we can sacrifice it's babies. It's a Virginia slim. Yeah. <laughs> the bitch sticks or conversationals, we'd call them when you when you go for a Marlboro Light 100. I'm sorry. Did you just call them bitch sticks? Well, the long cigarettes <laughs> we call them bitch sticks. I love that because we call them dragon ladies, but I like bitch sticks. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you were with a bunch of dudes and smoking Marble Light 100s or 120s, they're a conversational because they would last longer. Oh, that's funny. There were points where she'd be talking with that cigarette in other scenes, hanging out of her lip, and it would be a close-up. And if the, I wanted to say, I wish this movie was in 3D because that shit would be coming right at me like <laughs> fire, fucking fire pokers and Jaws teeth. Yeah. <laughs> the fire poker in front of the 13th part three and the 3D teeth coming. Oh, my God. I'm like, that shit is right in my face. No, and she's got a drawstring mouth, so it's just awesome because it's always like holding that cigarette in there. So it's like a glad bag pulled. I read in the in the trivia that they stapled it to her lip. No, they didn't. <laughs> oh my God. I wouldn't be surprised, honest to God. And and she had my favorite one of my favorite lines in this movie, which was kids shouldn't smoke in bed. <laughs> Life tips from Ruth Gordon. I, I yelled, tell me about it. <laughs> Do you know how many times I told Brian this before? Uh, I, I wrote down Fuck kids. Fuck these kids. These kids are awful. I mean, they are fucking uh, horrible kids. I mean, when they're particularly that kid, I wrote down fuck Kevin like 25 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there's nobody that you like in this family, except for maybe Valerie Harper. But even that, you're like, listen, Buttercup, grow a spine and yell at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you're. <laughs> you're <laughs> You're you're a Jewish mom. You should be really good at this. <laughs> I know, and she's From just New York. Like an amoeba. <laughs> Up well, until the end, right? You know? Well, it's, inter uh, it's interesting. Monologue. It, it's interesting that you say that because the, what we usually got in made-for-TV movies, they would do mm -hmm. it just for contrast. They'd have a family that is so sickeningly sweet so that when the shit starts to hit the fan... You know, it, you know, it, it starts to tear apart the family. And this one, that family is already damaged right from the beginning. Yeah, so that's a that very unusual way to go. That was something I was going to bring up, and I forgot. Thank you for reminding me that this is 1982. Eh, when did when did Poltergeist come out? 82, but this was after. I know that, but this I'm thinking 86. I think, right? Hmm. No, he no. Brian knows everything, so I'm going to go with 82. No, because yeah. I did see that with okay. my mom when I was young. So I and I was still in grade school. I remember that. I remember when this came on, I'm thinking, oh, this is just like TV's answer to Poltergeist. And then all of a sudden, things turn. And what I love, whenever this comes up in conversation with Brian, what he always says is, this movie is so mean. Yeah, it's a mean movie. It's a mean it really movie. is. It really is. For TV. Listen, you don't get happy Murphy movies. I made some notes during this, like particularly, we're just, we might, we're going to jump around a bit, but there's a scene at the end when everything's pretty much over and Valerie harper is in the hospital and they're trying to make her take a wheelchair and she's like no i don't want a wheelchair i'm fine i'm fine i can walk i can walk in another tv movie it would be like all play oh no no i'm fine i can walk you know but no she's got some brass balls at certain point in this that new york edge that i really like because normally it would be all saccharine yeah, yeah even a damaged family would be like oh we're really sad but no they, they she hit some notes in this that i was like i'm with you babe 
And you know what? You know one of my one of my big pet peeves, which I think is funny about any haunted house, it usually starts with a family arriving on moving day, and it turns out they've never seen the house before. It's always like, oh, Jake, I love it. And he's like, isn't it great? You know, it's yeah, like, how does that happen? That doesn't this, happen to me a lot. In this one, they've seen the house that the movers are late. I mean, it's just like, okay, this is weird. This is weird. Even the opening titles are weird because they, they. The opening titles are very weird. Yeah. They, uh, they cut I never and, thought about that. And yeah. super cheap. Like kids in, in other horror movies run into the house and they were like, this will be my room. Like they yeah. are seeing it for the first time. Always. Uh -huh. That's the that's the linen closet, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's you just blew my mind, Brian. I mean, I'm gonna take that with me into every movie now. I'm gonna stare at it the same way that I'm like, oh, they're going to the library to look up something on microfiche. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's, don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> These are things that there are things that happen in every horror movie, or, or you, and you, when it comes you, to haunted houses it's true it's like they've never seen this fucking house before that they no. purchased Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, you just completely confused my younger audience they're like what's microfish i've never heard of that what is that i don't know what that is is that like a little fish but even i'm that? like i don't know what microfish is <laughs> and still but movies that are made today yeah. the movies that the are made like now still yeah. have it it's like uh, oh gotta go to the library look at something on microfish yeah, because that, this that, is how we kept our records Oh. That and the uh, the spooky crayon drawing that the child does. This is my friend Jody. You know, yeah, any movie with a spooky crayon drawing, I instantly give an F to. So. Uh huh. Because it's always yeah. clearly it's clearly always done by an intern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they, like you. That's not a kid's drawing. I mean, you're trying, but no. I would love clearly. that job. Yeah. I. You know what I think, Patrick? I don't know. Maybe not with Don't Go to Sleep, but you know, I say this about a lot of other movies. Uh, it seems like it was made by people who have contempt for the genre that they're working in, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> no, seriously. And, I, and, 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 and I've lost friends over this. I would put The Shining in that, that category. That, the Shining is made by a man who would never pay to see The Shining. Yeah. It shows, I think, you know, so. You're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, and the other thing that made me go, oh, my God, they're totally ripping off Poltergeist, is that one of the cast members from Poltergeist is in this. Robbie, yeah. That's, well, yeah, but I feel like that kid, his agent was like, this is your gig now. You're in movies where, you're, where you have to fight with your sister, and, it's, <laughs> and you're going to get hurt or eaten or killed or uh -huh. something's going to happen. Uh-huh, you should have let... that kid's like, oh, it's a paycheck. You should have gone to watch Gladiator movies with Peter Graves on that airplane when you had the chance. Oh, Airplane 2, that's yes. right. He's in Airplane Have you ever two. seen a grown man naked? <laughs> no, that was, that was Airplane 1. He's oh, in Airplane it? 2, yeah. You're right. You're Same right. year, 82 was the banner year for Oliver Robbins, yeah. That yeah, kid right. was crushing it. Yeah. He was, he was. I wonder why he makes some residuals now. Is he still alive? Yeah. He, now I have he, to go. He's a, he's a director now, and... He, uh, he started to do the conventions, and of course, Poltergeist and Poltergeist 2 are the big draws for him, you know, when he signs autographs. But he, just like Valerie Harper told me, she is surprised how many people come up wanting to talk about this movie. Really? Yes, I absolutely. I remember, actually, I didn't see it when it first aired, technically. Neither, neither did I. I was, because it was my first school dance that night <laughs> oh jesus too uh -huh. easy too easy All thank right. you uh-huh it was it was my first yeah. school dance and i came home and my mother had watched it and it just ended and she was like oh my god that was such a scary movies that was just on movie is always plural with my mother even if it's a singular movie 
This is an FYI. So, oh my God, that was such a scary movie. So I'm going to have nightmares all night. Oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. So, when, so I was like, well, fuck. Scary. The one time I'm out of the house and there's a TV movie on, it was a great one. And then when I finally watched it, I'm like, that was mean. <laughs> that was mean. I'm like, it was really. Did you think it was bad at the time that you saw it? At the time, I was bored for most of it until the last reel. When it all goes bananas, when, you know, whatever, uh, when what happens, happens, and pizza cutters are flying, and there's that crazy monologue that the girl has. I'm like, that was actually really unsettling. But watching it this time, I was, and being older and gone through some stuff and been in the fact of losing a family <laughs> member and losing a sibling and seeing what that does to a family, I'm like, they're actually nailing a lot of this. <laughs> Because my parents, wow. are, my parents are very much of this generation where they're like, we don't go to therapy and we don't talk. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we, Patrick, you're Catholic too, I see. Exactly. I'm Irish Catholic. So, uh, you know, even if we were Irish Protestant, it's oh still interesting. We all are. We're, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's, let's have church right now. No, it's not. Let's, no, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. So it you're was, right, Patrick. And the, father, the father's alcoholism never would have been addressed because we, 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 even if he beat the kids, we'd still call him a good provider. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, absolutely. Exactly. But was but, he even that? Because I have questions about what didn't he say he was starting a new job? I lost his storyline somewhere in the middle of all of like the fact that he was so awesomely bad to these kids, like the shit that he said to them. Here, have a Bunsen like, burner. Play with it. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my what favorite moments of this movie. Can we can we go into like the actual details of the movie? Is it yeah, time yeah, to do gonna, a little bit do, of that? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um I just want I just want to take a moment uh, to say that uh, um What's basically happening is they've moved into this house. There's been this family tragedy. They've lost their daughter, Jennifer, before all of this in an accident. We don't really know the details, and we'll get into that later. But as soon as they move in, the youngest daughter starts having these weird experiences and weird dreams and eventually is being visited by Jennifer, who is convincing her to get rid of everybody else in the family. That's yeah. all I wanted to say, and we can get into the details now. Aaron, go. Oh, 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 game on. Well, what I was going to say about the father, one of my favorite moments, is that throughout this entire movie, he makes it about him yeah. and, and his issues and his problems. And there's at one point a four-poster bed that gets lit on fire. <laughs> Their first night there. <laughs> in it. Yeah. When your child is in it and they and they get the kid out who's freaking out, but like, Imagine walking into a room and seeing a bed completely on fire and your child in the middle of it. Oh, those are my dogs freaking out. They just uh -huh. heard ice. It's because I was talking about horror movies. They freaked out. I, I understand. Um, well, that's because they always die so, in horror movies. They're going to freak out. Yeah. I know. They're always the first target, aren't they? Thank you, Steins. Uh -huh. <laughs> that movie devastated me. The fact that he sees his daughter in the middle of a flaming bed, gets her out, puts the bed out of the fire and uh -huh. then goes back to her and says, Oh, this is the last thing I need. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say that this is a guy that we've established works in the aerospace industry. Yes. And his first reaction <laughs> to put out the fire is to play badminton with it. Yeah. 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 He might as well have taken out a ping pong paddle and started whapping at this enormous fire. They don't even throw it away. That's the most realistic thing. That's what I said. I'm like, he's like, well, we. Fathers will grab a tennis racket to solve any problem in the house. Yeah. 
This, my oh, father I, once killed a bat with a tennis racket. Wow. <laughs> so this is like tennis rackets are, are all dad's answers to I've got this. My question, Erin, uh, did anybody in the house play tennis? No, we don't exactly. know what the hell the tennis racket is. <laughs> because it comes with the dad kids. Like, here's your baby and a tennis racket. You'll figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> and good luck. In about seven years, you're going to need it for something, I'm sure. <laughs> but what you said about everything is about him. Valerie Harper has that great, that great monologue. She's like, it's not just happening to you. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, when she finally had yeah. that moment, I was like, good. So I'm not high. He keeps making everything like, no, Ugh. no, no, no. The patriot archie is in full swing in this family. absolutely like when, you know even when every time because the girl the, the girl has had psychological problems in the past she had nightmares after jennifer right. died and now they're starting again and you know, she's like well maybe we should take it to therapy and he's just completely opposed and even when they get into therapy he's like no nah, no nah, we're fine well technically we're all fine and he goes look at my wife she's handling it better than the rest of us and she just looks at him with that face that's just practically melted off and she just goes what but technically, it's his fault, though. I think that might be one of the reasons he's maybe turning himself into a victim. Well, it's all it's all their fault. Listen, the it's, Jennifer's death. It's all it's, their fault. I'm, the, I'm the youngest of nine children, and if the if that scenario happened with a bed getting caught on fire, even if it turned out to be faulty wiring, we'd all get the shit beat out of us. Seriously. Oh yeah, it would be my you fault. You did something wrong. You you were you were nibbling. On that wire, like we yeah. tell you to do, not to do all the time. You've never brought that up. Don't talk back, wacky, with the tennis racket. Absolutely. <laughs> now, he's also a functional alcoholic, but he's a girl drink drunk. Did you notice when they first moved into the, the house, he went for the blender? Okay, yeah. Like, he, he yeah. made himself a blended <laughs> cocktail with, like, I with like an umbrella. I did notice that because when it's the first day and they're unpacking and they show him turning on all the appliances that is supposedly unpacked to see if they work. And I'm like, I get that. And I'm like, wait a minute, blender, malted maker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's that? Why, why are you have Valerie Harper is like building furniture and putting wallpaper up and doing yeah. all the tape. And then he took out the cocktail station. Like, I'm going to make a Mai Tai. Yeah. And then he took out the cocktail shaker. That was the third thing. And I'm like, blender, malted maker, cocktail. Oh, I get it. <laughs> he's alcohol. <laughs> but I, I do think of that scene where he's making martinis and, and he, and Ruth Gordon comes downstairs because her TV's not working and, and says he should be watching the other news channel because that on the spot team is much more interesting. But I really, I think that is a, a really, really good scene. That's a great scene. How's about a drink, Bernice? Hmm? Oh, have a sidecar. I'm making martinis. Brandy, triple sec, a dash of lemon juice. That's all there is in a sidecar. I don't know how to make a sidecar. I really know how to make a sidecar. You want a martini or not? How many of those do you have? I am relaxing after a hard day at work, and I'm having a few martinis in my own house. And if I want to have two martinis or ten martinis, that is my business. You dig? Suits yourself. What are you trying to tell me, Bernice? You trying to tell me something? Nothing, just... You know how you get when you drink martinis. I don't know how I get. Why don't you tell me, huh? I'd like to know. Tell me, how do I get? You know. Oh, I know, all right. I know. And who was it that kept pushing martinis in my hand, huh? 
Who was it that wouldn't let us go earlier when everybody was all right, huh? Who was that? Who was it that kept saying, oh, come on, Phil. Just one more. Have one more. Just one for the road. Who was that? Where are you going, Bernice? Come on, Bernice. Don't be a party pooper. Just one more. Why don't you have one for the road? He asked her for a drink. She says, well, I'll take a sidecar. He's like, yeah, but I'm making martinis. I just love that. Because you know she, that she was probably drinking them on set. And then she gives the recipe. He's like, I know how to make a sidecar. Trust me, I know how to make a sidecar. I know how to make a sidecar, Bernice. I'm yep. making martinis. <laughs> yep. But again, he's a girl drink drunk. So I'm surprised he wasn't like, I know how to make a sidecar, but I'd rather make a pina colada. I'm making a pink lady. Do you want one or not? Well, that's what that <laughs> that watermelon in the fridge was for. It's probably oh, for his watermelon. Oh, no, no, no. Hold off on that. Hold off on the watermelon. No spoiler. <laughs> okay, so what's what is the thing is what I really watching it this time, I remember thinking like the kids were okay, but watching it this time and knowing how it all turns out, watching the kid who played Mary, the youngest daughter who's being tormented, like her performance is actually unsettling. And it's, it is because I feel like she's an old person. She yeah, acts well, like an old soul. Not all the time. Like there are, cause like there are scenes when I'm, she's like, you are a little girl for two seconds and now you're much older. I'm like, oh, that's when Jennifer's there. Mm-hmm. And watching that now, I'm like, oh. yeah, like you can actually see when Jennifer shows up and when she does it. And I'm like, that's really fucking creepy. And the girl does it really subtly that you would not expect. In a oh, right. Well, Jennifer is, is sort of empowering her a little bit, right? So. Yeah. Well, what I think is also cool is that the name Jennifer doesn't even come up until 25 minutes into the movie. Yeah. We all loved her, Mama. That's not it. It's, it's Mary. She's going through such a difficult time now. I don't want things all over the house that remind her of Jennifer. Hogwash. Mama, if you love somebody, you don't pretend they never existed. No one is pretending she never existed, but she's dead. Mama, Jennifer is dead. I suppose when I'm dead and gone, you'll shut my picture up somewhere. Pretend you never had a mother. That is so ridiculous. I don't say that. Don't even think that. That's not it at all. I, I wish I hadn't let Philip drive. No, 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 no. It was an accident. It was nobody's fault. It was nobody's well, fault. I, you remember that now. It was nobody's fault, darling. There's references to the car accident and stuff like that. And there's the kid. You know, somebody's gone. Yeah. Because there's... Um, Ruth Gordon has a has her on her bureau or on her little you know vanity has four thousand pictures of the same kid and none of the ones that are downstairs. Right, right, absolutely. And why are they all in that same outfit from Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> oh, why okay. is it that Jennifer okay. is living in a different era than the rest of the family? To be mm. fair, Aaron, nineteen eighty two was the year of the Prairie dress. They were everywhere. It's oh. a black, horrible spot in fashion for little girls. And there are times when both of them are wearing them. And, and plus with that and the hair, she had Princess Leia hair. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer did. There was a and, lot going on with her look. So between the braids, yeah, it was, as, as Tim Gunn would say, that's a lot of look. <laughs> that's it a was lot so, of look. It was not 1982. It was like 1892. It was a, it was a reverse <laughs> thing that I was like. How oh, so they had this kid in another generation. In we had a horrible wagon accident on the way to, on the way to Walnut Creek. 
I was drinking a lemon <laughs> phosphate and uh uh-huh it only cost me a happening uh-huh. <laughs> oh wait now i've gone to england now i've gone to like 1890 england yeah. sorry I've make sure the wine. chesterfield's not on fire uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh because well, when and it, uh, when uh, when jennifer finally shows up like uh, there's a scene where um the, mary keeps having nightmares and she keeps saying mary yeah. Mary, Mary. I'm expecting Mary Tyler Moore to walk in because Rhoda's around, but that's not the point right now. Oh, Mr. I would have said what Mary is it? from 227. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That too. That too. But this, the girl I want to do a remake with Jack A under my bed going, Mary. Oh, Mary. <laughs> Both equally frightening. Both equally frightening. But the girl goes to hide. The girl goes to hide under the bed from the scary noises and Jennifer is just under there. And that's when you really get a full, and she's smiling. She's in her signature yeah. pose with her signature haircut and she's brilliantly lit and the music gets really happy. written down because you know the girl keeps saying I, I i hear jennifer i hear jennifer and my larry harper said mary jennifer is dead she is in heaven you know that and when she showed up in that prairie dress and that and that when you really get it and it's not a black and white photo i'm like oh no 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 oh, no 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 jennifer is not in heaven jennifer is burning in hell because of that fucking prairie dress and that hairdo no <laughs> no yeah we also need to talk about the fact that when mary uh, bumped into her dead sister underneath her bed. Uh-huh. Like this had been going on for a couple of days. She kept hearing Mary, Mary, somebody lit her bed on fire. Now she's in the room with her brother sharing a, a, a bunk bed. And what I love is that Mary basically, after being tormented for a couple of days, drops herself under the bed, rolls under the bed and says, just kill me. Just kill me now. Yes, she did. She sure did. Like, if you're going to do this, let's just get this over with. I've heard your voice for about two, three days now. Just kill me. We, we've been shooting for 22 hours today. I want to go home. Just <laughs> that, was actually, that was actually before the camera, before they yelled action. Yeah, about an hour into the movie, I really thought the same thing. I, I, like, I just wanted to say that was a cavernous underbed. It was huge. Well, you I could, thought that she was on the second bunk. You could have but parked then I realized a car under that bed. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Because like you're just asking for trouble. If your bed is lofted that high, somebody should be underneath it. Uh-huh. Like and it's you've, your own fault. And you've you've given you've you've given a twelve year old boy a bunk bed with that amount of under under bed. Do you know how many pornographic magazines he's going to be able to hide <laughs> under there in a couple of years? No and it was the eighties, so VHS tapes were large. Sure. I mean, yeah. 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 Sure. Storage. It was. It was. There were bad decisions being made all around. <laughs> <laughs> this family was just one after another. And I wonder where they never also talked about where they moved from and two. And they, 
And did they move to this new house because of what happened, because of their kid dying? Or I, think he lost his job. I think he lost his job. He said I he think, lost yeah. his job. They said there were cutbacks. Well, she said lots of people lost their job. He's like, not really. Yeah, he lost. I think he lost his job because of all the his his work performance after that whole thing. That's what I think too. They, kept, I mean. they blamed it on and because he was a girl drink drunk, and and that his uh-huh. dog probably brought him in and said, you know what, you've um you've had way too many Harvey Wallbangers <laughs> with maraschino cherries sticking out of them at work. I think it's time either become a man drunk or you're out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either go back to being a functioning alcoholic like the rest of us, because you're just sloppy right now. I know the girl's dead, but you're making us look bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No more yeah. mango margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> And he was saying, he was explaining, he was like, when he was uh, trying to explain why we shouldn't take the girl uh, married to a psychiatrist now, because this was when she started saying she's seeing Jennifer, because she told right away, she's like, I just saw Jennifer, and then just like, whatever. Valerie wants to take her to a, to a therapist, and he's just like, well, I can't because of my job. There's so much pressure under me at work, and there's always somebody trying to trip me up. And I said, that's right, Philip. There's always somebody younger and prettier coming up behind you on that staircase, <laughs> just like in Showgirls. And again, the father makes it about himself. Exactly. Because patriarchy, 1982 patriarchy. Yeah. But yeah, so now Jennifer, they, they have this... Nice little scene, you know. I, I thought it was nice when Jennifer is just really appears in full to Mary out in the yard by the tree, and it's nice. She's so playful and she's so happy to see her, and it's the seduction scene, so to speak. Arise, Queen Guinevere. Camelot awaits. Come on, Mary. Don't you remember? Now you're supposed to say thanks a lot, Lancelot. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Jennifer, is it? Sir Lancelot. I thought that... I'll never leave you again. Promise? Promise. Promise? Promise. But you have to help me. (laughs) Hey, thanks a lot, Lancelot. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Oh, that line. Uh-huh. In the rear, Guinevere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like if, if my brother ever died and came back to me, he would, he would start the, the sentence with, when you're sliding into home and your pants are full of foam, I'd be like, diarrhea, diarrhea. Our phones would be very different than Mary and Jennifer's. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Uh huh. It's very true. But yeah, so the first meeting's kind of nice. She's like, and you can't tell anybody about me, and blah, blah, blah. And the second meeting's like, you know, Kevin's going to figure it out, so we need to get rid of Kevin. First of all, they won't believe you. They think something's wrong with you. Try and keep us apart. They will. Spy on us. They'll try and catch you talking to me. They don't spy on me, they don't have to. You mean Kevin? And he tells. He teases and snoops and spies and tells. He always tells. We've got to take care of Kevin. Yeah. You need to start planning to get rid of Kevin. Yes, yeah, she, she starts 
killing people off pretty quickly after that. I think, does she aim for the grandmother first? She's aiming for Kevin first, but then grandma gets in the way. She knows, but how? Pictures in her room. She knows I'm here, she'll wreck everything. But how can she wreck everything? Mary, you do love me, don't you? Yes. You do want us to be together, don't you? Don't want anyone to come between us again, do you? Oh no, please! Well then? Well, what can we do about it? What about Kevin? We can use Kevin to help us get rid of Grandma. We've only touched on my favorite character in the movie. Oh wait, let me guess. Uh, is it Valerie Harper? No. It's okay. Ed. Favorite character, the iguana. It's Ed the iguana. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! I actually wanted to call this movie Iguana Shot. <laughs> there were so, I mean, I thought the iguana is, is, is giving a fantastic performance because aside from being able to fly, they keep cutting to him at random yeah. mo- moments that are all. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I just started to write a character. One of them is like, one of those. One of those random moments is brilliant because you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I went on this "Don't Go to Sleep" kick and I started oh, posting. Sure I, I started posting a couple of the memorable scenes, and people from all over the world were like, "Oh my god, finally, here's the movie!" But that whole scene, the suspense scene of him walking to get the frisbee, and they keep cutting to the close-up of an iguana. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the movie, people are like, "What the hell is that close-up of a lizard doing in this scene?" But yeah. The, it, yeah. I started, but, I started providing my own dialogue for Ed, but we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I kept wanting him to cut. Like, when something really bad would happen, when somebody would die, I would just, like, cut to Ed. Yeah. For a reaction shot to Ed, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, him turning to the camera like that, that video of the hamster or whatever it was, the, the suspense yeah. hamster. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, and, and, and filmmaking, what you, learn, what you learn in the editing room is always get a shot of the cat in the window so you can cut to it whenever you need to. Uh-huh. And they cut to Ed a lot. I loved Ed. Ed was great. And, but Ed's a murder weapon. That's how they get rid of Grandma. Yeah. Like oh, like, yeah. They put Ed in the bed with Ruth Gordon, and she has a heart attack, and she dies. But granted, what they're trying to do is conceal – Who's carrying Ed? Because the whole question is for this movie is, is there a ghost or is Mary crazy? Right. That's the big question that you're left with at the end of this is, I, is I, was really? he being inhabited well, I would, by this other spirit? Uh-huh. And so they're not, they don't want to show hands on the iguana. So it looks like he's flying. <laughs> yeah. I think that is such a stupid shot, but I will say this. That is the shot people remember. And they come up to me and said, the movie was that a flying iguana. And I look at that, and the filmmaker part of me is like, that's the stupidest shot I've ever heard, I've ever seen, because it looks like it's floating. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the thing is, what I, this was terrible. They put, it, they put the iguana in the bed, and that's when the dialogue started. Like, he got up in her face, and it was like, hey, Ruth, I'm Ed. Nice to meet you. You know, I really loved it, Harold and Maude. <laughs> and... <laughs> but you know, also, and then after she passes, they cut to Ed again. He's and I, my voice went, "Yep, fuck the shit out of that broad. <laughs> fuck the shit out of her. <laughs> Nailed it." Ed was the most prominently displayed uh, <laughs> character in the whole movie. It was it, he should have gotten an Emmy nomination for this. But Brian, 
here's a question for you. As a filmmaker, mm-hmm. the Frisbee sequence, there is a sequence where, as we're starting to get rid of the sun, like we need a reason to get rid of Kevin, right? Yeah. His name? Yep. Well, the fact that, again, just, this kid was like, whatever, I did Poltergeist. This is just icing and he's right such, now. And he's such a fucking prick. I, I, he's such, this character's a prick. Please they look like they're all assholes. You know what? He, Jennifer he was, was an asshole. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. But anyway, get back to the Frisbee. The Frisbee sequence. There are sequences that seem to go on for an abnormal amount of time. Yeah. And yes, we have iguana shots where I was like, this is a drinking game. Every time we see the iguana, we have to drink. But also, even when the father was in the bathtub, I was like, why do we keep seeing shots of the dirty water? Yeah. For like an abnormal amount of time. Are we really building so much suspense right here? I think that was in case the the, the, the audiences of 1982, you know, being like so long ago since it's ancient history that we were so primitive, we didn't know that water was dangerous with electronics. No, it's not a bubble bath. Drinking a Mai Tai. <laughs> oh, it should have been a bubble Drinking bath. Drinking a Mai Tai. If he, had, if he had one of those little nets on with his daughter. With, with those let, the nets on his head and a loofah, that would have been great. All that. With the Mai Tai, all that would have been fabulous. But yeah. Brian, something that you brought up when we did Crowhaven Farm, you talked about how the last moments before they cut to a commercial on yeah. a TV movie are super important. Could you read? Yes. Could you explain that? You know, I, I've written a bunch of TV movies and they, they actually, because they don't teach you this in film school, they, they teach you general screenwriting, but when you, when you write for the network, they, the, the, quick way, the quick way they explained it to me is if you pay your money in a theater to go and see a movie, even if it's bad, you're probably going to sit through it. They say the big thing that they have to keep you from doing while watching a TV movie is change the channel. So they always mm. wanted to end on a, a hook. So almost every commercial break in Don't Go to Sleep starts with a and it fades to black because like, they, they, they don't want you to change the channel. I think uh-huh. it was probably more important back then with the Nielsen's and everything. Sure. But um, yeah. Which is why I thought it was hilarious. At one point in the movie, every, everything ended the way it should, except for one shot where they cut to end and then went, and it was yeah, like I not. It. It, it was long after Ruth Gordon was gone. It was long after Kevin was gone. Yeah. It was long before the shenanigans in the last reel. And I was like, well, I got to find out what happens to Ed. I'll be back. Yeah. That, that was, that was a, a, a desperate uh, hook for Mike, don't Mike, go did away. You, did you really need those three seconds? Was what it was the scene before that lame that was just not captivating? I'm telling you, he's pivotal. Yes, people wanted to know how his storyline went. <laughs> but you know, uh, but Aaron, you're right that that frisbee scene does go on for a long time. But as Patrick and I could probably tell, I'm putting words in your mouth. People really didn't die in TV movies that often, especially the little kid, especially the little kid who had just starred in the Spielberg movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that was shocking that he died. And of course they they you know they really really milk out the suspense and it got boring. But I I couldn't believe they show the watermelon fall and it dissolves to his funeral, and I was like, what? Wait, are you what, insane? What watermelon? What are you talking about? What happened? What happened to Kevin? We he haven't talked about the watermelon happened. out of the fridge. But what's right. Kevin and, doing? And what happened with the frisbee that put Kevin in danger? The frisbee is stuck on the roof, and he has to go get it, even though he's not allowed there. And he's walking across all the shingles and the suspenseful music, and then uh, he grabs the frisbee. And as he's crossing one of the windows, we see subjective point of view of 
what we assume is the ghost, but it turns out it's a little girl, opening the window and pushing him down. And he's about to hit, about (laughs) to hit, and they cut to Valerie Harper, whipping out a watermelon and dropping it, and it splits into 10 pieces, which would never happen by dropping a watermelon like one foot. You'd have to like drop it really hard. Uh Yeah, but, 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 but instead of seeing Kevin hit the ground, you said we see a watermelon just splat over the kitchen floor. Absolutely. It was, it is really shocking. Yeah, it's his, it's it's his head by proxy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of comic now, but at the time you're like, holy shit, you just killed a kid. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. just straight up butchered a kid on holy shit. But you're right, Aaron. The scene goes on a long time. But I realized watching it this time, she's setting him up. So it's like well, I'm watching that now. I'm like I'm watching this girl set him up, and it's really very clever because he throws the frisbee to her, and he did something fancy that really wasn't that fancy. She's like, right. "Oh my god, I don't know how you did that because yeah. I'm just a girl." He's like, yeah. "No, no, you hold it like this," and she's like, "Like what? I don't know what, what you mean because I'm just a girl." But she's not. <laughs> but she's she's planning on throwing it on the roof the whole time. But what? I don't understand. I'm just a little girl. And you're so strong. But like all us kids, she's manipulative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's like, I'm telling mom. She's like, no, you're not. You're going upstairs, you little bitch. You are a little bitch. I loved. I actually loved it this time around. I'm like, knowing what was coming. What, what I love most about that is uh, that, that scene, though, is when they, when they have him crossing the windows and we have the shots from inside the house looking out, that's when you can see that it's this beautiful set the sound stage that they make and you can see the fake trees and the uh the painting outside and it's like you know a- abc was this an abc movie yeah they, they yeah. uh they, it was they always ab it was, it was either abc or cbs but i feel like it was they ABC. always had better than average production values on yeah. that so like you don't every, think that was a real house they filmed it oh no definitely that's a set that they built not so. the interiors yeah oh my god no no wow yeah and it, 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 it's because a, it's a good looking house, but you know, if you look at look again at that scene of him crossing by, you can see it's a little bit like when they open the door in Happy Days. Like, hey, uh-huh. you know, you see the painting in the tree. Yeah, branches. but at least oh, that's amazing. But at least they didn't film it at that ranch that they filmed everything at at the seventies. Oh yeah, we'd be like, we're in a cave, we're in a cave watching gargoyles, and Brian's like, that's the Batman cave. Yeah, that's the values that movie. <laughs> over in it's always the Batman cave. There's always horses involved in the TV movies for no reason because we had to shoot it on this fucking ranch. It's the same damn sets and everything. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But also, why is why is there a connection between food and building suspense in this movie? Like she's pulling out a watermelon. There's really intense music happening. Mm-hmm. There's pizza. It's like we're building suspense through iguanas, pizza, watermelons, and a martini in a bathtub with dirty, dirty water. He was filthy. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was, like he was super drunk at that point. He probably hadn't showered. And Since the damn funeral, and Lord knows how long ago that one was. One of my favorite scenes in that movie. Possibly, Seriously, it's like possibly, he's just drunk in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. With his little daughter standing there. Yeah, but there I was. I know, and she's like doing her hair. But there was, the, the, you could see there was a sliding door covering the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, well, that was his tea tray. Oh, right, right. Daddy's right. tea tray. Where he had his little lady finger sandwiches. His cucumber sandwiches. Exactly. <laughs> nibbles to cover up his harvey wall banger <laughs> but it was after this point that you know like i said i lost my sister a few years ago and this the scenes after this and go where they're dealing with the grief i'm like this is actually dead on 
what it's like. And no pun intended. Yeah, and of course now we've we've lost. She says at one point, I mean, like grandma just died, and now the son died, and like the mountain, like having those two things back to back, and you can kind of see her like dis- Valerie disintegrating, and I'm going, the arguments that they're having or not having. I'm going. This is really what my house was like. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, when we, when we had so it's hitting on new family, cylinders, it was never discussed yeah. ever. No, no. no. Maybe were we all Irish Catholic? Someone would bring it up, and then my mother would shut up. You're not supposed to talk about that. It was, it was just the same, so it's very odd. Except, of course. Okay, I don't know if your family is like this, Aaron, or your family is like this, Brian. Whenever there's some kind of family event, there's always this cabal of women women guests that form uh-huh. a family event and they'll get together and they'll sit in a corner somewhere and just start talking about everybody who's sick, dead, dying. Yeah. Like yeah. Going, going back eight generations to be like, oh, sure, great, great, Aunt Catherine. It's, oh my it's God, called a stitch Oh, God, she suffered. Oh, she suffered. I'm like, you didn't know her. What the fuck are you talking about? We're at an eight-year-old's birthday party. What are you doing? <laughs> it's called a stitching oh, yeah. bitch. But it's not even bitching. It's just like oh, this circle of misery that would go on in every event. I'm like, this is such a weird, weird, weird thing. Like there's a party going on and you guys go right to that corner and start dishing about all the misery that's happening. What? Yeah. The, and it's like a competition about who's saddest. It's, oh, no. Oh, that, yeah. That's and that, Irish. And that piggybacks why the father, it's all about him. They, everyone wants to, to talk about how it affected them. So maybe there is a little bit of verisimilitude there with the, the father making all the trauma about how it's only affected him. You know? Well, which is also leads me to my next favorite. Well, I have a lot of favorite moments in this please, movie. This please, is my first please. time seeing it today. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. I'm very excited about it. Uh, <laughs> was, um, was when, so Kevin dies, the pallbearer drops the casket into oh the hole at the funeral. I thought out somebody was going to have to revive me. I've never laughed so hard. Well, I, you, you I was like scream so laughing. I couldn't stop. This movie. was so funny to me. It was so. Oh, are, are you? I love campy horror <laughs> movies. This is beyond camp to me. This is like oh. precious. I I'm sorry, Brian. What, what were you going to say? I just okay. thought that I just thought that that was so mean and tragic. Did you remember Patrick when this is a similar moment in Pet Cemetery? I thought it was mean too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We see where you see Gage's hand in the coffin when the guy the drops. The coffin oh. falls for a second, and the, the coffin opens just for a second. You just see his hand there, and it's like this little kid's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Yeah, oh my I god! That, like, I, this makes like, me want to go back and watch Pet Cemetery again. Yeah, this was been years. Yeah, because the coffin's slowly lowering, and one of the you know, on the on the whatever you call them little straps. Yeah, that's on, and you've got two guys cranking on either side, and one guy is apparently not cranking fast enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's going down diagonally, and the pre, the priest is giving the sermon, and you're just watching it get more and more diagonal, and the guy neck, the guy, the other funeral, the other uh, uh, the funeral director is standing next to the guy who's cranking too slow, like ah, <laughs> you had one job. So sorry. Yeah, and it hits the ground. You had that's, one job. That's and it hits the ground, and it's too much for mom. I was like, eh, gosh. And again, this is all still raw. That was bringing up raw stuff. I'm like, this yeah, is already like, horrible enough. You're burying your baby. You, the natural order is broken. This kind of thing is not naturally supposed to happen. I, I can understand. I can understand Aaron, though, thinking that it might be funny, but I think back then, that that would have been a part where my mother would have said, 
turn this shit off. Exactly, because we were still uh, reeling from the shock that you just butchered a kid yeah. on TV, which is a no-no, not to be done. And then you cut right to that funeral, and you're just like, oh, the God, this is way too much. Yeah. Go to bed. Meanwhile, go to bed. No later, somebody who's into dark humor watches that, and I was like, this is hysterical. Well, pizza this is the world's shittiest sure. pallbearer. Yeah. That, like... <laughs> <laughs> and they have it no friends. They all go to the funeral. <laughs> no, they don't. No, yeah, can we also address that? There was not one single other person at this funeral except for them. I don't know if, what, what was behind that. But the, back to the father making it about himself is that so funeral happens, the father goes, goes home, makes himself an elaborate female cocktail, and then is hanging out wait, 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 in wait, 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 wait. Aaron, room Aaron, with the... Aaron, Aaron, would a female cocktail be a cocktail? Oh. I think it will actually, <laughs> yes. And, and you've just created my new um, recipe book that I'll be releasing on Amazon about a year from now. You're welcome. And it just, will rival your Amityville book, but, you know, I'll, I'm going to do the best I can. Just give Simon me an on the is listening. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, good. Please continue. So far, dad, uh, dad's making himself a cuntail. Please continue. Yeah. So he's getting hammered on, um, you know, some sort of flavored margarita. Uh-huh. And he's in the room trying to feed the iguana. Yeah. First of all, he's feeding the iguana what looks like probably his last will and testament. Like it's a piece of paper. And he's just dangling it. And, fi- and when they finally find the iguana food, the fact that he was like, you'll live because I fed you food. You're going to live because we found your food. Huh? Mm-hmm. Is one of the best moments in this movie to me. It's like, uh, first of all, the, I like the obvious statement of like, oh, you're going to live because you're going to eat. But thanks to me, you're going to eat food. Uh-huh. And not I, this this random toilet paper that I found I totally in the other room like, because I'm hammered. You know what that was? He was trying to feed him lettuce, uh, uh, Aaron. What that was, was piece, it? That was a piece of lettuce that had been on set under cameras for eight hours, but apparently they couldn't afford another piece because that shit was wilted. <laughs> it was. Why did it look like parchment? It looked like the Constitution of the United because, States. It because, was <laughs> because it had been under the hot lights all damn day, and nobody replaced the damn piece of lettuce because lettuce because it's a TV movie, and they never have any budgets. <laughs> Oh, my God. Craft services intervene. It was like a white piece of paper. Uh-huh. It was pretty sad. It was pretty sad. Also, it was a shitty print that we had. It wasn't the but These things are always not so great. But see, again, I kind of went, ah, this is what my family would have done. It would have been like, yep, yep, he's got an iguana, and I got to take care of it, thinking I couldn't take care of my dead son. I'm going to take care of this iguana, and that will fix it. I can't do that either. Son of a bitch. It won't eat my paper. Wow. It won't, it won't eat the Constitution. It won't eat the Civil War letter that I'm trying to fit in. <laughs> You you found layers in this that I did not find. That's okay. This is like I a, you're you're a horrible person, obviously, and I love you. No, for I it. obviously <laughs> I'm dead inside. She's a cold-hearted snake. Look into her eyes. Look into my iguana eye. <laughs> Look into Ed's eyes, man. Now all the pain in the world Look is happening. Look into Ed's eye. No, and I got that. That thing I, knows so, all the secrets. But uh, in that scene, when Valerie Harper snaps and she's like, "It's." Bill, please stop. I don't drink. You are drinking too much, Philip. Really? Yes, really. That right I am. So why shouldn't I? Huh? I've got to work. No, I've got to try to keep everything. <laughs> I don't understand it. I really don't like 
I can't take it anymore. I can't. You can't take it. Neither can I. All of this is not just happening to you, Philip. Oh, come on. I don't know Why what he was doing on the roof. He was in the kitchen. Not two minutes before taking a cookie. My mother and two of my children have died this year and honey, one for, year. Honey, and what do I get from you, this honey, weeping, drunk bitch? It is indulgent, Philip. And don't lean on me. I can't comfort you now. I can't do everything. I, I'm not a rock. I cannot handle every detail. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What, what details are you talking about? Everything. Now wait a minute. Taking the call Now just and a minute. You hold it right there. I wanted to make that call if you will remember. Did you? No, no, because you wouldn't let me. If I don't do it, it doesn't get done. That's the truth. I don't want to see people staring at me sympathetically and then keeping their distance because maybe I'm contagious. I can't believe what I'm hearing. I can't. But I'm going to have to do it because you can't take it. You do it. You do it this time, Philip. You bag up his little shirts and pants and his okay. rocket ship. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will do it. I will do it right now. She's like, I lost my mother and my baby and my daughter in a year. And now whenever I go out on the street, people avoid me like I'm contagious. People don't call me back like I have a disease. So that's why they don't have any. Oh, I know. But what horrible monologue. Yeah, they're like, avoid her. She's a plague. All of her kids are dying. All of her everything is falling to shit. I probably would do the same thing. I'd be like, yeah. Well, because you know what the topic of conversation is going to be like, do I really want to have, I'm having a good day. Do I want to engage with you today? No, because I know I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, is he still dead? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. He's a downer. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, fuck. Look who comes. Little dark cloud. Cross the street. Cross the street. But yeah, but again, all that rang real to me. And I, I but this time around, but at, a, at the time when I was a kid, I was like, kill somebody. <laughs> But it's okay because bodies. I'm waiting gonna, for death. Uh huh. Because bodies will be racking up soon enough. Because dad's gonna die now. Finally, he's been in that bath now. Based on our conversation for six hours, marinating. His Mar- death was awesome. You know what? It probably wasn't even water. It was probably vodka, gin. Well, it was. It was like aviator gin. It was like a gray color. It was. <laughs> oh wow. Uh huh. But yeah, it's the big. Where do we guy. go from here? It's the what? big night, and like you know, Valerie's brought home pizza. It's a big deal. Mary's left in charge of cutting the pizza. Be careful with that slicer. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Why did they just, not? It's hot is what have, I just said. Have you? Well, did you in the eighties? Did people not cut pizza? Did I miss a meeting? What is that? I've sometimes got. Oh, that is funny. Yeah, the pizza yeah. arrives uncut. But we always had a pizza cutter in our house. I don't understand why. I still have one. Uh huh. Why have do one I too. need that? I have one too in case I have a visitor that I want to scare, and I'll just roll it along the walls. <laughs> I love that. Well, I you, oh welcome to my house. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I have an egg separator. We have a lot of devices we don't need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've but on TV. Oh, why, my, why is your ex- pizza not cut? I don't right. know. It's like you had one job. Yeah, exactly. That's so they can get that iconic moment. And I got to tell you, I'm going to put a pizza cutter in there as a, as a homage someday into something. Good for, yeah. Uh-huh. People yeah. like, oh my, oh yeah. And people, people will be like, I kind of recognize this, but I don't know why. I, yeah. This is the scene that sticks with me. Because, you know, she, uh, Valerie comes in, she's got the pizza. She leaves the kids to cut it. Where's daddy? He's taking a bath. Yeah. And she goes up to check and on And for it. the record, the moment when, when he's taking a bath, and okay, so he's hammered. He's talking to his daughter. Oh, yeah, his daughter yeah. comes in to use the hairdryer. He's he's completely naked, yes, and he's got something. He's got like <laughs> his little tray in front of him covering his junk. Uh-huh. But the daughter's, you know, blow drying her hair. You can see what's going to happen from a mile away. Yeah, he's going to get electrocuted. He's listening to the game. When he gets electrocuted, why is it like? The blackout of, was it 2003, where, like, the entire eastern seaboard went down? <laughs> I would think this blackout yeah. in this house rocked the core of, like, their entire town. The zap and the sound and the flashing and the, oh, my God. It was like they had a power plant in their basement. Mm-hmm. 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 They might have because, you know, maybe they, we don't see any neighbors. They might have, like, some turbine shit. He worked in aerospace. Yeah, I don't know if he, he like. He, That's true. He, he, re, he rewired the house, and he's like, I'm bringing this up from 220 to $5 million. That's yeah. right. What I love in this scene was she's, uh, she's uh, was Valerie's in the kitchen before the daughter comes in, and the lights go out. She's like, Philip, kids, is anyone using too much electricity in the house? And I'm like, not anymore. Not anymore. Using too much electricity is just like, did the light ever go out in your house and somebody was like, who's using all that electricity? Oh, back in the day, yes. Back in the day. Be like, who just turned on the microwave? Oh, that's right. Because all the lights were dim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that shit would happen back in the day. <laughs> that is true. It's when like, was oh, those, somebody's uh, microwaving something. Turn off the two TVs. Right when it was those old when it was those old fuses that you had to screw in, not the switches. Those things blew really easily. <laughs> oh, I'm living in an apartment on East Village with one of those right now. Uh-huh. I took out the, I took out the lighting fixture and blew um, really easily too. All, but? all the uh, wires are covered in singed cloth. Oh my god! Oh yeah. my god! Oh yeah. my god! I feel yeah. safe. I, I hope you have a tennis racket. What are we going to do now that your father's not around with his tennis racket to save all of us? You're the daddy now, Brian. Save us. I will do it. Brian, I'm begging you in your next movie, please make the tennis racket like a big a weapon of choice. <laughs> I will. The corpse is found with mysterious waffle marks all over it. <laughs> and pitch it to Eli Roth. Let's see what he says. He was like, so then the person gets killed by a tennis racket. I feel like he'd be like, yep, I'm game. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm oh, you're Irish. Like heard about you people. Yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. On tennis it rackets were the answers to everything. Yeah. yeah. And she goes upstairs. Well, they, she, they were, well, was it a tennis racket back then? It was just like white people problems? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. solved white people problems. I have a sure. spider in the bathroom, you know? I have yeah. a... Uh-huh. Oh. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a toilet overflows, tennis racket. Great. I just made it racial. Everyone got quiet. Okay. 
Well, now it's awkward. It's, no, it's no, Nike. No, I blame no. Nike. We all got quiet because we know it's true, and you're revealing our truths to the internet yeah. right now, okay? You're supposed to keep that shit under wraps, Brian. I will. You're going to live because I found your food. Congratulations. <laughs> Iguanas shouldn't smoke in bed. You're welcome. That's what, like, most, the grandmother's lines and the father's lines could all be ended with, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> oh god you're not gonna die you're welcome oh god yeah except he did and she goes up and she finds he did. him everybody does she finds him and she's freaking out and i get this i'm like okay you just lost and it's like this is like three days everybody's dead in the house except the bitch downstairs and this is when that iconic scene with the pizza cutters happening and brian what do we mean by this iconic scene Say that again. What? 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 With the pizza cutter, like, what makes this so iconic? It well, it's also it's 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 one of the fanciest shots of the movie because obviously they had to build some sort of rig that attached it to the camera, mm. and it's just it's it's amazing. It's actually gouging into that that staircase, the wood yeah. over there, and um, I don't know. I don't think pizza cutter, pizza cutter, pizza cutter, forget it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I have no idea. What is, dangerous, what is he trying to say? <laughs> in theory, they are. Yeah. It's like a rounded blade. Sure. And that, just the idea of that thing cracking or, or, or gouging a, a, a trough through the uh, plaster and cutting the uh, – power cord i mean the phone line i wish i had thought of that yeah well what yeah because what's happening it's this super tight close-up of yeah. the the pizza cutter rolling on various services you see it rolling along the yeah. linoleum yeah. with this great you know, like the sound yeah. of you know metal on 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 but the camera surf- the camera is moving with it so yeah. I mean, that, that would be a shot that would take 10 times longer than any other shot in the movie yeah so. and just it's really and the it's really intimidating the way the light's glinting off. It's yeah. really glinting off it. It's a really, really intimidating series of shots. Yeah. And you just see, like, it keeps cutting back and forth to Valerie Harper upstairs, freaking out. And who doesn't even know her own phone number? <laughs> doesn't know her own phone. <laughs> well, was she trying to dial nine one one? She was very flustered. But also, every but also, it's nineteen ninety. Yes, it's nineteen. Like if I were to like the, the, when she she cuts the phone wire with the pizza pizza cutter. If that were me doing that, I'd be there for two days being like, I think I made a dent in it. I think yeah. That is true. That is true. But I, like, I'd be luckier if I chewed my way through her phone cord than using a pizza cutter to cut a phone cord. To be fair, it was 1992, so she had to use a rotary dial. And when you had to dial nine, that could take like a whole full minute for that thing to come back around. We should have a rock bar con- at rock bar a contest about cutting the phone line with a pizza With a pizza cutter? cutter? Sure. Yeah. Sure. There we go. Game on. Game uh-huh. on. Sure. Give drunk people sharp objects. Great. What could possibly go wrong? There's nothing duller to me than a pizza cutter. I, yeah. Pizza cutters barely cut pizza. It's like it, maybe one hair at a time. And I, I'm like, hats off to you guys for sharpening your, your knives that well that they could yeah. cut through, especially yeah. like a 1980s phone cord, which I think was covered in asbestos. Yeah. If you looked at the thickness of this thing, I was like, that's technically, couldn't even cut you know, that's like an butter. extension cord. No, you're, yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But, you know, it, but in childhood, I'm like, that scene fascinated me. That'd be the one when I had the VHS of it, when I finally taped it, I rewatched that all the time. I'm like, oh, it's so scary. And 
yeah, the good, she winds up with this semi chase through the house and the girl's just like, mommy, what's wrong with you? But like her phrase and her, her, well, I think it's an interesting acting choice because another actor would have played crazy. Yeah, this girl like, was wrong? very what's, ahead of her time. What's wrong, mommy? But she's just all like, she's all totally chill. Like, mommy, what's wrong? Like a little girl would. But meanwhile, she's swinging this fucking thing all over the place. And it's, it's the dichotomy I found really exciting. Yeah, well, that's the director. And the fact that she's asking for pizza. But then she's on the, Valerie's on the phone with, with the police department. She's like, I'm at 1366 decapitation way. And the police department's like, yeah, okay, prank. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. He's like, 13666. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a made up number. No, yeah. it is. Oh, dead kid house. Sure, we'll be right over. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you have everybody in your house die yesterday? Yeah. All right. That, that, uh, 13, We're actually six, still six, in the driveway. Six. We haven't left with the kid yet. <laughs> That's like the low-hanging fruit in the movie, so. Yeah. But fortunately, Valerie gets away and... Uh, she falls Mary down the stairs. It's like, ah, I, women falling downstairs. I could cut a montage of that. That would be four hours long. That would be a great montage. I would that love would be that. amazing. I would love that. I would love that. I um, would watch that. I would put that on as like... Around Christmas time, you know how you have that thing where you can do the fireplace that just plays yeah. on a loop? I would have yeah. that in the background the whole time. Just women falling downstairs. Women with falling downstairs. I, I also with did Christmas one. music behind it. I did one. <laughs> yeah. I edited every scene I could find where the, the commissioner says, I want your gun and your badge. <laughs> and, oh, um, that's great. That is endless. Or <laughs> the next one I want to do is, that part, and, and get ready, Aaron. If you haven't played this, you're going to have to. The obligatory worried wife role where every now and then it cuts to you in the kitchen usually stirring something like you're you're holding the batter in a bowl under your arm stirring, like, what about us where us you know yeah oh my god my kingdom See, again if i could just be ruth gordon in one movie you know it's, it's what her role is is also eileen brennan in jeepers creepers yes 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 eileen yes. brennan jeepers Creepers. like the crazy old lady that is is present offers some sort of nugget of good information oh, and then be, gets killed by something yeah so you yeah. want to be creepy old exposition gal yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yes, one, of, that's one of my favorite tropes. It's usually, it's usually creepy old exposition, dude. But it's 2018 now. That we need more roles for creepy women. Yeah. One of the things that kept this kept me with this movie is just trying to figure out what the hell happened to Jennifer because they do give you that information in dribs and drabs, and it yeah. takes a very long time for you to be like, "Well, what the fuck?" I thought the guy, well, the guy was drunk driving. Yeah, well, that right. we learned. Yeah, the father that, was drunk driving. That, that was called dad driving back then, though. Exactly. I, mean, I, I, I can't believe I'm here still. That in was defense. Just, that yeah. was just called driving in my family. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. My, 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 mom was, my mom was an alcoholic, so there were many trips that I can't believe I survived, especially if she was with her brother, but that's not the point right now. But where were we? <laughs> Um, yeah, and and uh, Ruth Gordon is the one that they were visiting grandma, yeah. and grandma made the you know just kept saying, "Have another one." Oh, come on, what's another? No, one? So and, and that that was one of the times where I think Ruth Gordon's slight improvisational tone didn't really annoy me because you know so often in the movie she made around that time you could just tell she was going off into Ruth Gordon mode, but um, that 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 
improv banter between all of them was really good. And when she said, she's your pearl, you're going to have to get a baseball bat to get all the guys off, I really felt for the other girl listening to that. Yeah, because now, yeah, now that we're in the hospital, you know, Valerie Harper is being tended to for her broken arm or whatever it is. And Mary has been committed. Yeah. To an asylum. Officially. And it Officially. turns into a different yeah. movie. Yeah, straight up, like, straight jacket with the doctor getting interviewed, and you're finding out what happened to Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. And, yes, yeah, so, so not only did Ruth Gordon plow, ply dad with too many drinks, and, you know, mom didn't take Oh, dad. Yeah. Well, she did plow That's dad. That's a different movie. The she one tried, for the road. She, she, let, me get, let me get the strap on, Philip. I know you like it. It's a favorite. It's comfortable. But Valerie still doesn't offer to drive. She tells him, like, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but, and that, that's true, too. Mom yeah. would never drive. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. And, but now in this flashback, you're finding out really what went on. And the thing that hit me was that she said that thing that you just said about, oh, we're going to need a baseball bat or a tennis racket to keep the balls, boys off of Jennifer when she grows <laughs> keep up. Keep the balls and, off of Jennifer. <laughs> well, them, too. That the, was it. <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. To, parap- to, paraphrase, to paraphrase Piper Lowry, first come the boys, then the balls. <laughs> yeah, uh, like dogs. But she's fussing over Jennifer so much, and the other kid, uh, Mary's just standing there, and what modern-day Mary says in the asylum was, no kisses. No kisses. Yep. No kisses. No kisses. No kisses. That's because you're wearing a fucking prairie dress. That's why. Well, they were smart because Mary is really beautiful. The the little girl who plays her. I know it's Mary, the one who uh, the one who died. Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Look at she, her. I mean, yeah, she's re- really pretty. I can tell she would be the pretty one, definitely. Oh yeah. But but how about that scene with Claudette Nevins? And it's really weird because that's the doctor a, that's attending to Mary in the hospital. She makes a very tardy appearance in that movie, and she gets a heavy billing at the beginning. And um, that just the, the 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 camera movement and stuff like that, it almost becomes a different movie. And, and it it does. And also, why is she circling her? Because it's cool. And also, and this is something you would never see in a TV movie of the 70s no. because they were known for just being flat, static, get in, get out, yes. get it that done. actually had an overhead shot there. That was very... Yeah, the, 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 the room circling and she's yeah. circling. It's, it's, yeah. a nice, it's a nice touch. It, would, it was kind of hypnotic in its own right or yeah. dizzying or whatever. Yeah. But, <sighs> and she was foggy. Like, she was filtered. It was like they shot it through a mattress. Yeah. So that's she was what, so... Instagrammed. Yeah. So I'm just, I wanted to ask you this. So according to the logic of the movie that at that point we're supposed to realize or, or believe that there is no ghost. Well, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, hold okay, on. Sorry, I just want to finish off what happened to Jennifer because now we find out it's not just mom's fault. It's not just dad's fault. It's not just grandma's fault. It's the other, it's the kid's fault. Of course. Too. It's everyone's fault. But we didn't know that. We didn't know what happened. What happened was they're driving home and Jennifer is picking on Mary. She's pulling her little braids and yeah. stuff. And, you know, Jennifer goes to sleep. And this is why it's called don't go to sleep. Because if you oh, go to sleep, your shithead so brother's going to tie your shoelaces together. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, everybody's complicit. Right, he ties Jennifer's shoelaces together. They get in a car accident. Everybody jumps out of the car and runs away. And they're like, hey, where's Jennifer? And she can't get out of the car because the shoelaces are tied together. And then what happens? Boom. Car explodes. Car blows up. That's what happened to Jennifer. They all killed Jennifer. (laughs) Well, I mean, technically... 
technically it is it is Mary's fault. And wouldn't that be classic psychology that her guilt manifests as fake ghosts in order to justify? Exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. and luckily they don't even say that out loud. <laughs> no, they don't say it out loud, which I think is cool. But and Mary's got this great little scene that she pulls off really well for a little girl. It's very disturbing. I'm like, we're kind of yeah. all this. And then she turns into Jennifer. And the thing Jennifer has told Mary, the reason why she killed and uh, killed her dad and tried to kill her parents was that Jennifer told Mary, oh, don't you know? They're going to send you away. They're, they're, they're going to sell the house because we don't need a big one anymore because everybody's dead. But yeah, you're not, <laughs> you're not coming with they're them. Downsizing. They're downsizing. They're downsizing, yeah. Yeah, you're not coming with them. They're going to put you in a hospital because you're crazy now. And if that happens, well... But I'm remember, gonna, I'm now not gonna, here's, here's the other thing, though. When Valerie Harper... She calls 911 eventually. Mm-hmm. It's three numbers, even if you're on a rotary phone. Uh-huh. It it's up also 1982. Way. They probably only had one phone. So. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have those phones with the huge keypads. Remember, it was like a whole fist that it took to yeah. like depress the five. And uh, Didn't she say when they were in the hospital, you didn't tell them that Mary had a Mary killed her whatever like you didn't tell them that mary had a knife oh basically. She, she didn't tell the she didn't tell the people attending her oh but everybody else figured it out like why was no. she just committed so easily well i mean the doctor probably had her committed the doctor knows what went on the, her the psychiatrist that they do the psychologist i'm sorry that they wind up seeing knows what happened yeah He's Which, in, by the way, he, he was told, in like every movie in the '80s or every oh, TV show. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to go yes, back. Yes, and he was funny. Yeah, he's usually a funny man. Yeah. But what I wanted yeah. to say was earlier was that the thing that Jennifer keeps saying, she's like, well, "If you go to a nut house, I'm not going to stick around. I'm not hanging around a nut house. You're crazy. No, sir. Uh-uh, I'm out of here." So now it turns into Jennifer, and Jennifer's like, "Yeah, I killed them all." And oh, by the way, I'm out of here. Mary. Mary. Mary's dead. Who are you? I'm Jennifer. You're who? Jennifer. What happened to Mary? She died in a car accident. I thought it was you who died in the car crash. They tried to kill me. All of them. They were all to blame. Mary, too. Anyway, I told her I wasn't going to stay in that nut house with her. I don't want to be together with her anymore. Jennifer! Don't go! Please stay! Jennifer! Please! Jennifer! Good, Mary. No, no, it's not. I loved her. I loved her. Loved her. Yeah, peace out. And the girl's screaming, and she's gone. She left me. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. gone. The doctor's like, that's great. And I hear her, and now take take her off her electroshock treatment. And you think, okay, that's the end. This is how it ends. Mary did it all, but oh no. Right. Jennifer has to make one more return. Uh-huh. So Valerie Harper's in bed, and then 
Jennifer's face appears and, and, and Valerie screams. Yeah, but yeah, it says, hi, mommy. So that, that, that's the twist, that there really is a ghost. Uh-huh. Yes? Okay, good. And that's what, makes oh, it mean. Oh. that's what makes it mean. I'm yeah. like, you, this ghost, not only did you kill your brother, you sent a little girl to an asylum for life to be tortured. Yeah. Well, well, then I also thought, well, she's on Quaaludes or something. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, you they know, had they're, to have put her on something. You know they're wheeling her out for electroshock therapy at the end of that scene. Oh, my. Well, I mean, no, Valerie. Oh, oh, yeah. Valerie, oh, yeah. poor Valerie. And they do a dolly zoom and a scream, and they freeze frame on her face where it's shot from an ugly angle where she's just got a little bit of a double chin because of the way her mouth is right, held Right, because she's in like, bed. She's lying yeah. down and looking down mm-hmm. at the foot of the bed where Jennifer's appeared. So, yeah, so it's an ugly shot. Yeah. And the, what, I, what got me, what <laughs> made me laugh, you have all these shots of the iguana, so you can't have time for a nice freeze frame <laughs> for just another second of Valerie's face so you can take yeah. it because she barely got the scream out. And it's spelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have applauded if the final shot were the iguana. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, wasn't me. At home starving. <laughs> she was like, Jennifer? Ed. Hey, no, it's just me, Ed. Um. Uh, my bad. Side you note. shouldn't let kids smoke in bed. <laughs> I like to think that the reason that Valerie Harper really screamed is that she actually saw the letters directed by Aaron Spelling coming zooming down at her <laughs> about to hit her in the face. <laughs> Now, did, did, you ever, did you ever see a Valerie's other TV terror called uh, Night Terror? I don't she, think so. She has to drive her car cross country and she's menaced by uh, this guy who's got a, a voice box and talks like this. No. It's, it's, like a, it's sort of like a duel. Movie. Okay. Speak Dennis Weaver. That's what he's from. Yeah, well, he's Duel, from, right. From we didn't mention that. Duel, I, ju- yeah. I just, that just made that connection. He was in Steven Spielberg's first movie, Duel. That's right. Yep. Oh, my God. Where he's terrorized by this that truck layers. layers and layers. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if any of this made any sense, but kids, that was Don't Go to Sleep. And you can get it on YouTube. And, yep. uh, and it, for, for some people out there, your listeners, it will probably close a chapter in your life because chances are it was the movie that you have vague memories of. Uh-huh. And, and if you're thinking, mm-hmm, maybe I kind of sort of remember something with the pizza. Patrick, the second you see that thing, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Do you know how hard it is to try to turn people on to some of the movies that we romanticize? As oh, being, we've um, had this discussion many times, yeah. Brian Norton. But I think uh, in the right tone, Don't Go to Sleep actually still plays okay. It doesn't look too, too dated. Not so much. And, Except uh, for those fucking me. prairie dresses, thank you. Yeah. I'd like to cut like twenty five <laughs> minutes out of it. Loop the watermelon I mean, scene over and over again. Bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> Every time someone if dies. If you cut half of the frisbee scene, the extraneous watermelon and water shot, no. you'd have a fifteen minute movie. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, and, I, and as somebody who who has never seen this movie before, so I have no frame of reference. I never grew up watching this. This I just. Uh oh! the movies I feel like I've seen in a long time. Okay. Yeah. Well, Patrick, wait. That, no, I totally, then, I totally get that. That is valid. That's valid. Yeah. Back then, the TV movies had to be either seventy-four minutes or uh-huh. one hundred minutes. Exactly. Seventy-four. <gasps> yeah. So th- there was a set time. So I wonder if that had something to do with these extraneous. The padding, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, Aaron, you just guessed. Like, wow, seventy-four minutes. That sounds great. Some of them 
when you watch them now, even without commercials, it's just like, oh my God, this feels like it's three hours long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because it's uh-huh. static, static camera, the beige backgrounds. And also you're not getting commercial breaks so you can get up and make a sandwich and forget what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the last well, segment. There's plenty of pausing anyway, but I like the implied commercial break because you could feel it coming. Yeah. With the exception of Ed's iguana shot, which I was like, oh, oh, we're doing this now? Oh, we're cutting yeah. the commercial. Oh. Ed is the light. Crystal Pepsi. Ed is the light and the truth and the hope of don't go to sleep. <laughs> Follow Ed. He was the one. He's like, if only they spoke iguana. I was telling them the whole time. I'm like, it's Jennifer. She's really here. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I, I like that. It, Within my notes, I wrote down the specific lines, and and I wrote down, "You're going to live because I found your food." <laughs> and and do so that, I'm gonna do that, that do that, pillow. do that the next time you hand Jim anything to eat, let him figure it out. You're gonna live because I found your food. <laughs> and like, also, and he'll be like, "That's my wife." Was, was was I like that? I like that he's disappointed in how his son died for the record, because one of the lines I wrote down was, I used to go on the roof when I was a kid. I never fell off. Oh. It's what he said at his oh. son's funeral. It's the most amazing, delicious writing because in the history. it's all about him. Yeah, uh-huh. I used to roof all the time. I roofed the shit out of everything. I never fell. My son must But this asshole goes on <coughs> once, falls off, and dies. Uh-huh. Asshole. I went out on the roof after having 25 pink squirrels. Pink squirrels. <laughs> and I an angel a kiss. lady and a side of a Mai Tai. And I've been on the roof for like two hours. I fell off once. I fell off, but I was so... The kid needed... Why didn't I give the kid some booze? Instead, Why didn't I give him a bottle of gin instead of that Bunsen burner? Then when he hit the ground, he would have been at least relaxed. Maybe he would have lived. <laughs> He would have schluffed. He, he would have schluffed. He would have just bounced. <laughs> he fell on his heartless, heartless people. I hope you die barren, both of you. Oh, hey, callback. Well done, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's Patrick's catchphrase. He has a tattooed on his arm. No, in, in Crowhaven Farm, my favorite part, it's all about, you know, they, about uh, uh, well, Hope Lang's character selling her soul to Satan because she wants a baby. And when it's time to like give up the soul, the other witches are like, she's like, no. And the other witch is like, then die, Baron. <laughs> God damn it. There's always a catch, isn't there? And I said, that's how I want to like end phone calls and stuff. Okay, great talking to you. Die, Baron. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Call me every 10 minutes. Die, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> wait what wait what what did, did he what, what did he just say what did he just say did he just say hey, who's you're baron? gonna live because i found your food see you later die baron <laughs> <laughs> okay so thank you very much guys this has been great so brian where can people find out more about you or get in contact with you my favorite way is through facebook i've had people want to make websites for me it's like what would go on a website other than what I put on Facebook. So Facebook, and I post a ton of stuff about fun movies like this, but also I wanted to say one thing. Um, um, as you know, our friend Jason Romas, longtime bartender at Rock Bar in yes. West Village, just purchased Rock Bar. Yes, and he's he a huge horror fan. And I said to Jason the other night, if we ever did a screening, who's the one person 
that I could bring in here that you would die to meet? And he said, Aunt Martha from Sleepaway Camp. And I made oh, yeah. a call, and we're going to have a Sleepaway Camp hosted by oh, Aunt gosh. Martha herself on October 18th. So mark your calendar. Okay, fantastic. And you didn't say where people can find uh, It's Brian Norton on Facebook. Find him. Yeah, Brian Norton on Facebook. Find yeah, him. it'll probably be a picture of his dog as his, as his, as his, his avatar. So, you know, whatever. You'll find him. You'll find adorable him. Adorable blonde man and a dog, yeah. Uh-huh. And Aaron McGuire, where can people find you and maybe see some of your comedy? Like, I, I know oh, you've got a YouTube God, channel. Please, go to my website is the biggest thing. But here's the T. Here's how my name is spelled. For the love of God, everybody at Starbucks and everybody online. E-R-I-N-M-A-G-U-I-R-E, as in like Jerry Maguire. But that doesn't really make a difference if you're born uh, after 1999. (coughs) For some reason, my name has been a big bitch for people to understand. And, And it's come out with the most amazing spelling. The best was... M-A-G-W-A-I-A-H. Okay, that was me, and it's really rude for you to make fun of me on a podcast. <laughs> well, then you have to stop working at Starbucks. Uh, so, working? Ooh, what's yeah. that? <laughs> working for suckers. I'm going to live like, off the land. He just likes to dress up as a barista and sneak behind the counter every now and then, see who notices. <laughs> well, okay. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me for this little trip back in time to the made-for-TV movie of Days Gone By. And thank Thank you, especially for helping out these homeless kids at New Alternatives. That My pleasure. Me. Thank and, you. And one more thing before we go, guys. Mm. Most importantly, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Di Baron. <laughs> Damn it. Happy Halloween, Ed. <laughs> beautiful beautiful screamers is going to bring to an end another chapter of the countdown to halloween marathon potathon we are one step closer on our journey and one day closer to halloween halloween a night that's supposed to be scary but being an lgbt teenager isn't supposed to be and it's not you're also supposed to have a home but These kids don't. So if you haven't already, please head on over to http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq for scream queens and donate. I'm asking for $21. $1 a show. And... I'm a little perturbed right now. Not so much that the donations have been slow. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's still early in the game. You guys do have until November 20th to donate. I would like to be a little bit close to the goal. Of course I would. What's kind of shocking to me is that the downloads for these Countdown to Halloween episodes are through the roof. I'm having more listeners right now than I have ever had, but... Not a lot of donations. That bothers me. If you're out there listening and not contributing anything at all, wow, that's harsh. I don't know, some of you are just waiting. We're waiting for payday. We're waiting towards the end. I get it. I get it. That's fine. I'm just a little impatient. 
Yeah. Don't take it out on the kids on new alternatives. Take it out on me. It's my impatience. It's not theirs. Yes, they have needs. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Just please, if you don't need to hesitate in your donation, just get it over with. Like, rip that Band-Aid off. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot newalternativesnyc.org slash SQ. Get it over with. Get it done. Get it up. Then you can sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the potathon, knowing that you've done a hell of a lot of good with very little work. It'll take you a minute at tops. A minute of work. And you've got hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of entertainment that you can enjoy without feeling any guilt whatsoever, knowing that I'm not yelling at you. I'm not yelling at anybody at this point. I'm not yelling. I'm just tired. I'm tired. That's all. But it's nap time. Yeah, I know it's noon, but it's nap time. So I still want to hear your Halloween stories because I'm not having one. By the time Halloween rolls around, I am going to be burnt out on all of this. I'll be so tired by that point. I know from the past that when Halloween comes, Daddy's checked out. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. No, sir. So I want to hear about yours. Any fun things that happen, anything at all, anything weird, anything creepy, a good ghost story that you know I don't care. Make my Halloween because the first episode after the the thon airs is going to be all listener-based. It's going to be all your phone calls. It's going to be all your emails. And I get a day off. Yeah, sort of. I still have to put it all together. But, you know, I'll be living my – more importantly than the day off is you giving me your Halloween. I need to live through you. I need to live through your eyes. I need to see it through your eyes. And it will be great, great fun. So, And also, get your pictures in. Your favorite Halloween costume from this year or years past, I don't care. You have cool decorations every year at your house, I don't care. I want to see them. Get them up, get them up, get them up. And I will be posting them on the Instagram page. Sharing with the world how awesome my listeners are. So in order to do that, you need to pick up your phone and call 917-720-2047 or write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, as always, that's Queens with a Z. <coughs> Excuse me. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens and I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. So please get all that information in and give me life, children. Give me life. So tomorrow, it's going to be just me again because, well, we all know the new Halloween movie is coming out on Friday. No, I'm not covering that. No, I'm not covering that. I'm breaking one of my cardinal rules. You know, I've always shied away from talking about the big movies. I've never talked about the big, big movies with the exception of Friday the 13th because every other podcast has done them. And the thing is, I have a view about the original Halloween that has gotten me yelled at, has gotten me threatened to be beaten up, that I have sat on for years and years not telling you. But I'm going to be doing it tomorrow. And I realize that will jeopardize everything that we're doing here, but you know what? Without risk, there is no gain. So I'm going to risk it. So just you, just me, tomorrow talking about Halloween from 1978. So... Until tomorrow, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world 
a creepy place, but make this Halloween a little less creepy for the kids at New Alternatives, okay? And never, ever forget that Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Because you never know when those words are going to come in very, very handy. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.